We'd like to welcome you back to our third and final part of our current event and weekly Bible study for June 5th, 2011. And the final part is just a letter from Roger Oakland of Understanding the Times. Open letter to evangelical and Protestant pastors worldwide. Now is the day to turn back to God's word. Following is a letter to all Bible-believing pastors throughout the world who have been who are influenced by the current trends that are attacking the Word of God through the post-modern humanistic mystical belief system. I have witnessed this deception firsthand on a worldwide basis, but I'm most familiar with what has been happening in, the, in two fellowships I've been a part of for the past 30 years. One in Canada and one based in Southern California. It is with a heavy heart I write this open letter to those who consider themselves evangelical or Protestant pastors. While it is my desire to do this respectfully, uh, and with the love of the Lord, I am compelled with a strong sense of responsibility to write this warning. The fact is we are living in a time in history where there is great spiritual apostasy, a falling away. And sadly, as the Bible predicted in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and sadly many pastors don't even realize it's happening. You have to kind of believe that. I mean, the Bible predicts all these things are going to happen, which is like what we get into on a weekly basis here in this ministry, and really is one of the reasons why this ministry exists uh, as a watchman-type ministry. And yet, for the most part, the vast majority of pastors don't get into these types of information. They, they, it's like, it's totally ignored. Um, so anyway, going back to the article, the fact is we are living... Okay, hold on, I already said that. Others realize it, but they don't know what to do about it, while still others see it, but promote it anyway. The purpose of this letter is to shine light on the darkness that has crept into so many churches today. For many years I have documented my concerns about this apostasy and presented the evidence to the body of Christ. An article I wrote a few years ago called Ichabod, describing the departing of God's spirit from many churches. That article was later followed by a commentary, Is Your Denominational denomination a sinking titanic i believe we are witnessing the sinking of the titanic at the present time uh, while most are still dancing around the ballroom a few have chosen to get off the boat uh, many get off in time how many get off in time is the question that remains to be answered uh, please view this short view, view uh, YouTube video of the sinking of the Titanic. It's actually, I watched it, it was an actual little animation of what happened when the Titanic sank. How everything filled up and how it all went down. While I re- recognize that I am marked by some as someone who has caused division within the church, please understand I do not fear any man. I look to Jesus Christ and I'm committed to tell the truth whatever the cost. I know that I have enemies among the, quote, brethren who insist that I remain silent. I have also been falsely accused and slandered by gossip as a means of discrediting me. Uh, The Bible teaches that we should never fear man or follow man's ways. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death, Proverbs 14.12 and 16.24. We should fear God and his word alone, based upon what God revealed in Ezekiel uh, chapter 3, 17-20. There is a biblical principle that cannot be overlooked. Uh, Ezekiel the, what he's referring to in Ezekiel 3 and, and also in Ezekiel 33 is regarding, you know, if the watchmen see the sword coming on the city and he do nothing to warn the city, then the blood will be required at the watchman's hand. And, and again, that's why, one of the reasons why this ministry exists as well, to warn people. Uh, going back to this article, when God reveals deception and darkness, a watchman 
must speak out and tell the truth regardless of the circumstances and the consequences. So somebody, my thing is that somebody could call themselves a pastor or a bishop or a deacon or whatever and they, they could say, well, it's not my job to warn. Well, how can you say that? If you, if you saw uh, a building on fire and there were people in it, you're not going to go warn them? I mean, I don't understand that, you know. I just, I don't, I don't get it. But anyway, then he goes on to say, What I find very alarming is that many pastors who gave warnings in the past about end times deception seem to have now ceased and have become silent. Now that's, that's definitely troubling, because there's way more deception now than there was before. But yet those same pastors have now become silent, a lot of them. Taking the place of the warnings are teachers or promotion on everything from church growth, seeker-friendly, contemplative spirituality, purpose-driven, postmodern, emergent spirituality, to even a Catholic Jesuit agenda. Yeah, I'd say pretty much summed it up there. These various teachings are not biblical Christianity, and for many pastors who once taught the Bible faithfully, these seductive teachings have pulled these pastors in a direction that negates so much of what's, what they once stood for. It is not uncommon now for, to hear these pastors espousing those such as Mark Driscoll, Rob Bell, Richard Foster, and Rick Warren, all of whom de-emphasize Bible prophecy of the last days and emphasize the kingdom of God on earth now. I believe this would also be referred to as dominionism, where these dominionists believe that they're so holy and so wonderful and so righteous that they're going to usher in the literal reign, rule and reign of Jesus Christ, uh, his thousand-year reign on earth now. We're not going to go through the tribulation. Uh, all that skipped. Uh, things are going to just get gooder and gooder and gooder, essentially. Pardon my French. But, yeah, that's what, they're, that's what they believe. Um, and it's a, big, it's a big movement within Pentecostalism and a lot of uh, the other pseudo-Christian religious movements out there is this Dominionism movement. I've done whole studies on Dominionism and Reconstructionism and that, and you can keyword search that in um, the ContendingForTruth.com search bar uh, on the right-hand side of the website. So, let's go further here. Uh, some pastors recognize that their own denominations or fellowships have turned or are turning away from teachings of the Bible. Yet so many have remained active participants of these denominations. Well, once you're in something and once you're entrenched in something, it becomes harder and harder and harder to get out. You know, the longer you stay in something, the more it's going to be hard, you know, harder to get out. So, you know, you can kind of see why that's happened. As the years go by, these pastors do not speak up. They're silent. Is the silence an indication they have bought into the central carnal three-legged stool plan that links hands with those such as Rick Warren and Tony Blair and is on the road to Rome for a one-world religion? I fear that for many, that is the case. What may have begun as looking the other way has become outright rebellion in many cases. This is the way deception often happens. We are living in the time of strong delusion that Paul wrote about in 2 Thessalonians 2.11. If you are a Bible-believing pastor, shouldn't you be helping to lead the way in warning about deception? Not promoting apostate, the apostate agenda in any fashion? Man, like I said, like just the subjects we get into here every week, I mean, these are things people don't have a clue about. Um, for the most part. And when these things really start to go down, the uh, average churchgoer is going to be 
at a loss uh, for words and to explain all these things that are going on. Ecumenicism within the church has been allowed to develop for years. When a pastor does not warn his flock about ecumenical apostasy, it sends the message that exposing apostasy is just not that important. I think what he's trying to get at there is, is, is when this ecumenicism, meaning all these religions coming into one, the one world religion that the Bible clearly predicts will be under the Antichrist and false prophet. When a church, organization, or denomination starts down the road to Rome, there is very little chance of turning back. The pull is just too great. Nowhere in the Bible is it acceptable to join hands with those who promote another Jesus or another gospel like that of the Roman Catholic Church. That is why John warned, Come out of her, the harlot, and be not partakers of her plagues in Revelation 18.4. Now, I just put some Bible verses in here regarding the subject. Revelation 3.14 through... And this is speaking to this type of lukewarm Christian, I guess, that we were kind of in in reference to. Uh, Revelation 3.14-3.22 And under the angel of the church of Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful, and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I wert thou cold or hot. Now again, that's description of the modern, average, everyday, pew warmer, the frozen chosen, that are in mass in the 501c3 corporate church of America. Regardless, you know, there's a ton of flavors of denominations out there that this would apply to. Um, So then because thou art lukewarm, and neither hot nor cold, I will spew thee out of thy mouth, because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and in need of nothing. And again, if, if you poll these people across the board, across the land, uh, they would probably say, well, you know, uh, I, I think I'm doing pretty good. I'm on my way to heaven. I'm rich. Uh, I got a nice house, maybe. Uh, I have need of nothing. And then the Bible says, and thou knowest not that, basically in God's eyes, thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked before God. Uh, goes, the Bible goes on to say, I counsel thee of to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich, which I believe is the trial of our faith. Uh, w- w- refers to that um, in the New Testament. And then white raiment that thou mayest be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. The robe of righteousness, essentially. The white raiment that you may, may be clothed. Are you living you know, like a righteous uh, life? And I don't mean a life where you earn your way to heaven. I mean a righteousness through the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. They're blind to not only their own spiritual condition, but to a lot of these issues that are so flagrantly obvious that I and many other ministries that have a warning type of message get into on a weekly basis. They're blind they, they can't see. Um, so, going further, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Uh, the Bible says, the whom the Lord loveth, he also chasteneth. Meaning it's like a dad giving you a spanking if you've done wrong. And if you be without chastisement, then ye are bastards. A bastard is an illegitimate son. So if you got somebody warm in a pew somewhere and they've got no conviction of sin and they think they're doing pretty good and and... There's no chastisement on their life, and most likely they're not saved. Uh, 
So let's go further. Uh, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in the throne, even also, even as I also overcame. Well, when did he overcame? He overcame on the cross. He paid the ultimate sacrifice uh, with his finished work on the cross. Uh, you know, to give all of humanity. Uh, to offer all humanity the free gift of salvation, essentially. That's how he overcame. Uh, to him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame, and I am set down with my Father on his throne. And he expects us to overcome as well. He that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. And the Bible, over and over and over again, it says that we, we, you know, we have to be overcomers. You know, Now, we do that through the Lord Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit that lives inside us, not because we're working our way to heaven, Okay, um, so I don't want to get into that, but through the Lord Jesus Christ, we are equipped as a born-again, saved, Bible-believing Christian to overcome any situation that we're put into. It's already there. It's just a matter of having the faith to believe that and enduring to the end. The Bible also says, pray that you be accounted worthy to escape all the things that are coming upon this earth and to stand before the Son of Man. So that's another thing that you could be praying. Uh, I believe the Bible says that in Matthew 24 as well. So, uh, that's another thing that we can also also pray. Um, so, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. So this is addressing the churches, and, and the Laodicean church in particular is um, most likely the day and time that we are living in. It's the one that most closely matches uh, the current state of the church today, particularly in America. So, going back to the main article, in June 1981, Chuck Smith, the founder of Calvary Chapel Movement, invited me to fly down from my farm in Saskatchewan, Canada, to speak at Costa Mesa at a four-night conference called The Bible, Key to Understanding Science, History, and the Future. Seven years later, in the fall of 1988, Chuck Smith asked me to join the staff at Costa Mesa. My family moved to Orange County, California, from Saskatchewan, Canada. My position at Costa Mesa, Costa Mesa involved being an outreach for, from the... CCCM as an apologist in the area of creation and evolution. Uh, I believe that's Calvary Chapel Movement or whatever, CCM or whatever. Um, I also showed the association of the New Age movement and its relationship to Bible prophecy. It sounds like he was doing a really good thing. Um, so going further... Uh, let's see here. Uh, in 1991, and after being on staff for three years, Understand the Times was founded by himself, by the man writing this, Roger Oakland, as an independent ministry separate from the Calvary Chapel movement. However, Understand the Times, otherwise known as UTT, was still closely associated with the CCCM and was given missionary support. The UTT Association with Calvary Chapel pastors and missionaries encompassed the world for about 20 years. During a 15-year period, UTT had an office on the church property at CCM from time to time. I'm just reading this so you can understand his background. Understanding the Times had a five-minute radio program that aired uh, for 10 years. Also had close relationships with a member of Chuck Smith's family. Uh, while many of my experiences and observations with those of Calvary Chapel have been good over the years, I observed many serious problems in the Calvary Chapel movement, especially in the last five years. Many Calvary Chapel pastors I know have admitted they also see the same warning signs, but most have not felt they could speak out. I've had 
people in the Calvary Chapel movement email me, uh, basically confirming what they're saying here. Uh, I mean, Chuck Smith has been uh, seen openly, I believe, on stage introducing uh, Rick Warren as his good friend. I mean, there's serious problems here. Going further, the reason I'm writing this letter as an open letter to all pastors is because I believe that many of the problems I witnessed while part of the Calvary Chapel movement are the same problems that many other Christian organizations and denominations are experiencing today. And many of these kinds of problems lead to deception and apostasy. Now, I'll give you two links here on Chuck Smith, General Teachings and Activities and the Calvary Chapel Movement. Now, this is from O2. So there were major, major problems with Chuck Smith way before any of the recent problems have cropped up. Okay, so you can read this. It's all documented regarding Chuck Smith. And, um, you know, I've given you the links here. It's going to be on about page 9 of the PDF for June 5th, 2011 on contendingfortruth.com. Today, many evangelical and Protestant pastors are operating on the principle or idea that if their churches are small... There is something wrong with them. The doctrine of big has replaced the doctrine of being faithful to the word of God. Along with this doctrine of big comes the subtle attitude that any offensiveness must be removed from the church. Well, that's what, if you want to grow a gigantic megachurch, you better not be offensive. You think Smiley Joel Osteen uh, is, is, is preaching anything offensive? Hellfire and damnation? Uh, repentance toward righteousness, uh, you know, judgment of sin, that type of stuff, enduring to the end, overcoming. You think he's preaching any of that stuff? I've seen videos of people standing outside of his church, street preachers, preaching to the people going in, that they're going to hell. And they don't even want to hear it. Because, you know, they think, well, I'm a, I'm a good guy, I'm pretty righteous, I'm going to church on Sunday. You know, that, that guy's a devil, I've done a whole teaching on him on his lukewarm, mealy-mouthed gospel that he preaches. Uh, you can just do a keyword search on contendingfortruth.com on the right side of the website. So, thus a watered-down gospel takes effect, and thus people in the church are not hearing the true gospel. Bibles are left at home, hymns are stopped, the talk of the blood of Jesus and his atonement for our sins ceases. As Bible-believing Christians, we should be able to discern that there is a flaw in this doctrine of big. As churches get bigger, more funds are required to accommodate bigger budgets. The bigger the budget, the bigger the offering is needed to meet the budget. The big donors become more and more important. And again, there's no New Testament precedent for that at all. Did you see any of the apostles or Jesus Christ trying to build big, uh, huge buildings and big, huge ministries that would suck up all the money that was really meant to go toward, I believe, in supporting people like missionaries and um, widows and orphans and uh, the poor, and I mean, that's where you see giving going on in the Bible. You know, people that are dedicated to the full-time ministry, but not not in a way where they're going to be driving around in a Bentley, or, uh, or, a, jet, or a twin-engine jet, like uh, Kenneth Copeland's got. I got a, a video on him that I saw... I've had several people email it to me. He was on, like, Insider Edition, and they were doing reports or something. And I mean, that guy's a Satanist. I'll flat out tell you, he's a Satanist. 
He's not just a deceived pastor that's money hungry. He is a Satanist. And I, I've had um, watched 20 hours of footage that unfortunately I sent those tapes away to a listener and I've never seen them again. Uh, he told me he was going to put them up on the internet of Pentecostal um, teachings. This was a long time ago I got these. They, you can't get them anymore. They're not available. They were VHS tapes. About 20 hours of footage. And uh, my listener said he was going to try to put them up on the internet, but I've never heard from them, so I couldn't do it. You know, I, I don't have the ability to do the VHS conversions to get them up on the internet. But 20 hours, and, and they slow the tongues down, and you hear what they're saying. Guys like Benny Hinn, Kenneth Copeland, Dad Hagen, uh, who they refer to him as, a whole bunch of people. Um, Rodney Howard Brown, who calls himself the Holy Ghost bartender. Um, all these guys. I believe they're Satanists. I mean, once you get done listening to 20 hours and watching the footage and having them reverse the tongues and having them slow down the tongues and seeing what they're really saying, crying out to Satan over and over again and doing all kind of cornudo signs, satanic hand signals while they're doing this many times, I don't think you'll have any doubt. They're not just deceived. They know exactly what they're doing. And they're prepositioned and they're wolves in sheep's clothing they appear as ministers of righteousness, but just if it's no marvel if Satan can be transformed into a minister of uh, 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 angel of light, that his ministers can be transformed into ministers of righteousness, appearing as ministers of righteousness. If you were Satan, who would you target? Would you target little lukewarm churches and the, the, the members in the pews, or would you assign your biggest fallen angels or your biggest and baddest demons to the actual people at the top? of the food chain, of a do- of denominations, wouldn't that be where you'd want to target if you were saying, if you were trying to um, deceive the most amount of people? Well, of course. I'm going to get into this in the next teaching, uh, much more in depth. We're going to look at some specific ministries. So anyway, uh, I really got off track there. Uh, now you have a situation where the pastor preaches carefully as, as so to not to create controversy. Controversy can cause powerful donors to leave. Oh boy, the love of money is the root of all evil. Pastors who once feared God now become man-fearing. Where doctrine is determined by men and their motives and not by God's spirit and his word. Over the past two decades, I believe the Lord led me to co-author and co- to author and co-author six books warning about the ecumenical one-world religion movement and how it is impacting Christianity. These books were, number one, New Wine and Old Deception. Two, when new wine makes a divine man. And the term new wine was one when I was in the charismatic movement in charismania uh, that they always used a lot. Oh, we need the new wine. We need the fresh anointing. We need to, you know, we need to go into the river. Immerse yourself in the river. You know, all these crazy things. There's this one church back when I used to live in uh, Fort Myers. It was in Cape Coral, Florida, and it was called The River. Where, and then it said under, where church should be fun. That was what it said. Outside. Probably still does. Uh, anyway. Um, so, his next book was New Wine and the Babylonian Vine. And then, Marian Apparitions Plan to Unite the World's Religions. Uh, yes. Uh, I believe there's a video. Um, is it Messages from Heaven? 
uh, it's about the marrying apparitions, and they go in there and they actually give you what these apparitions are saying in the ones that are sanctioned by the Catholic Church, because they don't just sanction all the visions, the Catholic Church, they only sanctions certain ones. And I mean, it's totally, totally contradictory to the Word of God. But then again, when did the Catholic Church ever go by the Word of God? They go by whatever the Mr. Pope on a rope says on a daily basis. If he he prescribes some papal bull, he's full of bull, you know, or some edict or whatever. That's what they go by. They don't go by the word of God. The, the Pope is the what they call the vicar of Christ. That word vicar means substitute. Vicar of Christ is actually on the inside of his mitre, his Dagon skull cap that he wears. It's not a skull cap, but it's a Dagon hat. If you look at it from the side, it looks like a big fish uh, mouth going up. It's because it's it's symbolic of Dagon, which is who Samson battled in the Bible, in the, in the you know in the Temple of Dagon. Just one more false deity. Anyway, uh, Marian apparitions plan to unite the world's religions. That was one of his books. Another Jesus, the Eucharistic Christ, and the New Evangel evangelization, and then Faith Undone, the Emerging Church, a New Reformation or the End Time Deception. So this man's put out a lot of different books, trying to be, looks sounds like a watchman, and warn the church on what's going on. Going further, it says, God has put uh, in my heart all these years a passion to warn of the impending spiritual danger. On March 6, 2011, I attended a, quote, Peace for Globalized Society Forum that was held at Saddleback, Rick Warren, it was held at Saddleback Church if you could call that abomination a church. Uh, Rick Warren and Tony Blair, who's like the former Prime Minister of Britain or whatever, both explain that they are doing what they are doing to set up a one-world religious program for peace. Rick Warren is right at the spear tip of getting Christianity, uh, melding Christianity into the coming one-world religion. He's right on the tip of the spear for that. Yet, even though it has become most apparent to many discerning Christians what is taking place with Rick Warren and his new reformation, very few pastors are publicly denouncing the purpose-driven peace plan. Isn't that pitiful? And pathetic? I mean, you should have thousands and thousands and thousands of pastors pounding the pulpits every Sunday, exposing people like Rick Warren. Isn't that just our reasonable um, duty? Just reasonable. That's not, that's not something that's extraordinary. It's just our reasonable duty. I think it's what God would expect of a pastor. Well, I'm not a watchman. I'm just a pastor. A pastor is a shepherd, right? Isn't, isn't he compared with a shepherd in the Bible? And the true shepherd will lay down his life for the sheep. But the hirelings, as the Bible says have no true love for the sheep. And they won't lay down their life for the sheep. They won't warn the sheep of impending danger. They won't, And it is impending danger. People out there thinking Rick Warren's books are good, and their pastor's not telling them any different? Well, they're just throwing them to the wolves. That's all Rick Warren is, is a, is a wolf in sheep's clothing. And most of the pastors are, aren't a whole lot different. Maybe they're not a wolf in sheep's clothing. Maybe they're just a hireling. Well, what's a hireling? He's somebody that does it for the money. He's doing it for the hire. Maybe that's not even the case. Maybe he's just backboneless. Maybe he just don't have a backbone. Maybe he's got the fear of man firmly entrenched in him. Maybe he's afraid that he's going to lose a lot of his congregation. Maybe he's afraid he's going to be labeled. Maybe he's afraid if he speaks out against a lot of these evils, he's going to get his 501c3 corporate tax status 
revoked by the Internal Revenue Service that gave him his right to exist as a church, as a corporate church, and can take it away anytime they feel like it. Why? Because they created his church. They gave his church the right to exist. His corporate church, his 501c3 corporate church, they gave him a right to exist. You have to go to the government now to have a have a uh, an official state sanctioned church. Where's that in the Bible? Where it says for churches to yoke up with the government and to make sure that you're compliant with all the governmental regulations. If 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 the government created your church, then they're the ruler of your church. How could Jesus Christ you can't serve both God and Mammon. You can't have two heads. Anything that has two heads is a monster. Now, listen, if a 501c3 pastor is listening. I'm not saying that you're all of the seed of Satan. I'm not saying that. A lot of them truly didn't know. But the longer they stay in the system, the more the spirit, I really believe, of complacency and apathy and lukewarmness is going to permeate them. And they're not going to see it happening. You don't see the demons coming in unless you've got your third eye open, and I wouldn't advise that. Or unless God would like give you some special divine revelation of Something like that, which usually doesn't happen as well. It happens with Pentecostals all the time, though. But anyway, that's a whole other story. Um, you know, but that spirit of apathy is going to permeate your church. I don't know what happens to a church when they yoke up with the government, when they take that 501c3 uh, corporate status. Um, I don't know. I don't know. But it can't be good. can't be good. I've done whole studies on this subject. Just key in 501c3 in the search box on the right side of continuefortruth.com and you'll, you can get to a lot of those teachings. So, anyway, I just wanted to state some things there that I know I've stated many times in the past, but that this man doesn't state. He doesn't get into. Um, because he probably doesn't even have a comprehension of it. Not to say I'm judging him, I'm just saying he probably doesn't, isn't fully aware of how bad that whole 501c3 um, uh, subject, or how it's affecting the church, how bad it really is. So let's go further. So he went to a Peace and Globalized Society forum that was held by uh, at Saddleback Church by Rick Warren and Tony Blair. Uh, and they were basically explaining how they're going to set up the One World Reli- Religious Program for Peace. I, I reported on this at the time. Even yet, though it has become most apparent to many, new, to many discerning Christians what is taking place with Rick Warren and his, quote, New Reformation, very few pastors are publicly denouncing the purpose-driven peace plan. In fact, prominent pastors like John the Pied Piper are embracing Rick Warren and his teachings. Now, I haven't done a teaching on John Piper, but I could easily. I got a big old word document documenting his actions, his unbiblical actions. Uh, I just don't have time to do an expose on everybody. There's just there's not enough hours in the day. I can barely keep up with the current events. Uh, as I and there's a lot of people that adamantly follow John Piper, one of the biggest speakers up on Sermon Audio, um, and he's got a huge following. Now, if he starts embracing Rick Warren, what do you think his followers are going to do. Well, if John's endorsing it, it must be okay. You see how this happens? And then, when you start to have all the societal breakdown and the economic collapses and the, and the 
plagues and the pestilences and the earthquakes and all these things that Jesus Christ warned about in Matthew 24 and all the spiritual deception and then the Antichrist and the false prophet come on the scene with the miracles and lying signs and wonders. They're, they're already most of the way there now. It's not going to take very much more to give them that little push where they'll, where they'll fall into the whole coming new world order, coming one world uh, religious system, hook, line, and sinker. They're being prepositioned for that. And they don't even realize it, most people that would call themselves Christians. They're already almost all the way there. I really believe, and, it, and it's a fearful thing to say, it. that's why the Bible says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, that for this cause, God will send them, meaning essentially humanity, strong delusion. That they will believe a lie, that they might all be damned, who received not the love of the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. That's a fearful thing to say. I mean, these people that are warm in pews in all these lukewarm churches across the land, particularly in America, these corporate 501c3 lukewarm churches, they're taking pleasure in unrighteousness. They're taking pleasure in people like with all this new emerging, uh, the emerging Christianity, the new age Christianity, Rick Warren, all these TV evangelists, all the, the, the prosperity preachers, the Creflo Give Me a Dollar and Benny Hinn and, and all these guys that are teaching unrighteousness, that are living an unrighteous lifestyle, that are wolves in sheep's clothing. They're taking pleasure in unrighteousness by sitting under their ministries. Wherefore, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. We're not, I mean, literally, I think a lot of these guys at the head of these ministries are, are like I said, I, think, I believe they're Satanists. Closet occultists or demon, heavily demon influenced. You cannot get that big and not be that way in today's day and age. I don't know of anybody who hasn't been corrupted at that level. These big, gigantic 501c3 ministries that come out of America. Who hasn't been corrupted? I'm not saying maybe somebody doesn't exist, but the vast majority of them, who hasn't been? You put yourself under that man, you put yourself under that 501c3 corporate status, you think it's not going to affect you spiritually? How could it not? It has to affect you spiritually in a negative way. But you're not going to know it because you're part of it. It's like the frog that got put in lukewarm water and you slowly turn it up to a slow boil. By the time it's, it's boiling, the frog hasn't jumped out and he's dead. He didn't realize what was happening to him. Wherefore, come out from among them and be separate. You know, saith the Lord, touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. Bible says in Revelations, Wherefore, come out from among her, my people, and be ye not partakers of her plagues. You don't want to be yoked up with that stuff. I'm just saying to err on the side of safety. Well, yeah, but the Bible says to not forsake the, for, the uh, assembling of the brethren. Yeah, but do you, do you follow that? When, I mean, okay, what if, like, you only had a group of Satanists meeting in your town? Would you just go there because it was the only religious thing going on? I mean, if they're in apostasy, flagrant apostasy, what justification biblically do you have for going there and yoking yourself up with that congregation? I just don't see Bible for it. 
I, I don't. I, I think you're putting yourself. I think you're putting yourself at risk spiritually doing that. Well, what will I do then? You know what? Pray and fast about it. Get in the Word of God. See where He would lead you. you. This is an endemic problem I have with my listeners. I don't have any place to go. I don't have any place to fellowship. You know what? Join the club. I haven't either for years. I haven't. And I'm not, I'm sorry, but I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining. I'm not saying we don't ever meet with other Christians and we don't ever assemble with other Christians. But as far as me going and putting myself in one of these 501c3 churches underneath some pastor, I won't do it. There is no way. No. Not going to do it. I mean, there's no Bible. God called me out of that. I was in that system for many, 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 many years. And God made it so unbearable for me, I had nothing, no other choice but to leave. God will do that. It's a form of chastening. Whom the Lord loveth, he also chasteneth. And if you be without chastening, he chased me right out. <laughs> he chased me and chased me right out of the modern day 501c3 church movement. Now, I'm not saying there's not good home churches out there, but I don't have a network to point people to. I just don't. And the thing is, is even if I had a network, how do I know that, that whoever is at the head of this home church isn't going to start their own little cult? Unless I know the listener personally, or I've, I've corresponded with them over many years. Who knows? It's, it's very hard for me to make endorsements when I've never really went out there. So, it's one of those things that you're going to have to deal with on an individual basis. I wish I had a better answer, but I don't. Not at this time. So, going further, as I've written in some of my books, this is back to the article, Ignatius Loyola was the founder of the Order of the Jesuits in the Catholic Church. The Jesuit goal is to turn the inerrant word of God into the word of man, while at the same time promoting the word of the Pope as the word of God. Remember what I just said? In addition, the Jesuit ambition is to bring the lost, the lost brethren back to the mother harlot church. He says, read his book, Another Jesus. This is no minor thing. See, this is why they call Protestants Protestants. Because they were the ones that came out of the Catholic Church because they were protesting what was going on. Martin Luther and the whole 95 Thesis nailed to the church door. That was when that Protestant movement started. I don't identify myself with that. I don't call myself a Protestant. Okay, I call myself a born-again Bible-believing Christian. There is a separate line of people, like the Waldensians and the Albedingians and the Lombards, and, and then going up through the Baptist line, that are actually were a separate line that didn't have anything to do with the Protestant movement. They came up, and it was a much more, I believe, much more biblically pure movement. Not to say they were all perfect, but these were the ones that were really, uh, the ones that were really uh, targeted by the Catholic Church, and even, unfortunately, some of the Protestant movements, as martyrs. They were the ones that were that were being burned at the stake, and, and for the most part, and, you know, being martyred. Them and their whole families. It's a whole other line. Now, there's a good book on this that I gave you the link to here called The Faithful Baptist Witness by Dr. Phil Stringer, who I've seen speak many, many times. Um, I don't know if you remember me or whatever, but, I mean, I've met him. He's, he's really a great preacher. Um, was when I was in the I, the uh, Independent Fundamental Baptist type of movement, and he had he was like one of the main guys that, Crown, no, not Crown College. Uh, I was a college in Haines City, Florida, uh, King James oriented college. 
Bible college. Anyway, um, it's a really good book on that subject. And to me, it's not about labeling yourself as a Baptist or a Waldensian or whatever. Okay, it's, to me, it's not about that because I don't see any Bible for denominations. Uh, it's it's about what the true Christian history was about and how there was this separate line of Christians that came up apart from the Catholic Church whore that started around 318 with Constantine, Emperor Constantine, who basically proclaimed himself as the first pope. And it was about this separate line of Christians that started with Jesus Christ, with the disciples, and, you know, they were first called Christians, the Bible says, in Antioch, and came up separately. And these were the ones that have been persecuted from pillar to post and martyred, and 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 they were the ones that... that um, had a lot to do with the Textus Receptus in guarding the true biblical writings, not the corrupted Catholic manuscripts where we get our new modern day Bible versions. It's a good book that explains that. And uh, I'll give you the link here that you can go and order it if you like. Um, anyway, let's go back to this. <clears throat> uh, he says, I've been to the city of Rome. I've seen the multitudes of worship and adore man, the Pope, who carries a wafer and a vial of juice. The wafer meaning the the monstrance that they worship as the literal body, not the symbolic, the literal body of Jesus Christ. And then he says the vial of juice that that is supposed to be the literal body and blood of Jesus Christ. They believe that through the process of transubstantiation that a Catholic priest has the power to change the wafer and the wine into the literal body and blood of Jesus Christ which is total blasphemy. It's symbolic. It's not literal. Okay, And I mean that literally. So that's what they believe they have the power to do. They're like some kind of satanic magician, which is pretty accurate, actually. Anyway, um, martyrs in the early centuries were murdered for rejecting the papacy and the Eucharist. And yet today I'm horrified to watch one Bible-believing pastor turn their hearts and their congregations toward Rome. You're going to see this more and more and more. That's why I say, if you stay in this, where is the logical end of it? Okay, so you're in some lukewarm congregation. It's 501c3 corporation. It's, it's in some corrupted denomination, which is probably totally corrupted at the head. And if the head is sick, the whole body's going to be sick. And that's why all these denominations, none of them really preach like they should be. Not to say you can't get any truth when you go into a church, but they're leaving a whole lot out. It's not so much what they're saying sometimes, it's what they're not saying. I've said that many times before. It's what they're leaving out. You know, if you stay in these denominations, where is it ultimately going to end up? Are they all of a sudden one day, the denomination as a whole, going to realize, you know what, we've really been doing wrong. And we're going to go toward righteousness and we're going to become really, right down the line, uh, Bible-centered, fundamental Christians. Born again, Bible believing. No, it's not going to happen. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. I believe this leavening process of the modern day churches really started, and the modern day Laodicean churches really started around 1881 when we got the first corrupt Bible version that came in through Westcott and Hort, which were two basic closet Catholics. All you have to do is read their own writings to know that they had much, um, very many fond things to say about the Catholic religion. And they were two high-level occultists that literally had seances with people like Charles Darwin. 
and had their own, they had their own clubs. One of them was called the Ghostly Guild, where they got together with other high-level occultists and had seances. These are the guys that translated the revised version of 1881 that were translated from two corrupt Catholic manuscripts, the Sinaiticus and the Vaticanus. This is what they used as their, their foundation. And if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? That this revised version of 1881, which is what has literally spawned all the false versions that we have today. All the other hundreds of versions they have now. The foundation was corrupt. The King James Bible, on the other hand, totally different, totally different text it was derived from. The majority text, the Byzantine text, the Textus Receptus, it has different names. Same thing. Totally different lineage. That, I really believe, is one of the main problems that happened in 1881, which I believe around that same time kicked off the Laodicean Church era. We have a lot of cults starting at that time around that time too. Mormonism, Seventh-day Adventists, Jehovah Witnesses, so on and so on. The Pentecostal movement got ramped up not too far after that. A lot of the ungodly, carnal things that go on in that movement. Hey, listen, I came out of it, I know. Um, and then you have the IRS going to the churches in like around the 40s, I believe, saying, hey, listen, we'll give you this tax-exempt 501c3 Status, your, your, your parishioners can write off their tithes on their taxes. You'll get, you'll get subsidies. There's all kind of benefits and perks for doing this. And the church has signed on and they yoked up with the government. There was the next major piece of leaven. And then that opened the door for all kinds of garbage that it's gotten to today. It's a sinking ship going down. It's a lump that has been almost totally leavened. And how do you change that? If, if you got there at the very beginning, possibly, but how do you change it? It's like the Titanic going down, like the guy had alluded to. Once it gets beyond a certain point, it's going down. So, just something to think about. You know, you pray, you fast about it, you ask the Lord. I'm not telling you what to do, I'm just stating some obvious facts here. So... Uh, going further, says, I am horrified to watch once Bible-believing pastors turn their hearts and their congregations toward Rome. This is where it's all going to end up, is the point I'm trying to make. All these denominations, the one world religion, they're all, they're all these 501c3 corporate religious denominations are all going to ultimately go toward Rome. They're all going to ultimately get on the same page. They're all going to ultimately overlook each other's differences. And they're all going to ultimately be assimilated, like the Borg on Star Trek or whatever, into the one world religion of the Antichrist and the False Prophet. They all are going to be. They're already they're already set up for it through their through their governmental corporate status. They're already set up for that. They're already locked in. It's just some are going to get there probably quicker than others. And you have the Antichrist and the False Prophet coming, and who knows what else. Other satanic parlor tricks are coming with all line signs and wonders and miracles. And a lot of them are going to just buy into hook, line, and sinker. Just for fear of man. For fear of, oh my word, I've never, oh, you know. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Jeremiah seventeen nine. He who trusteth in his own heart is a fool. Proverbs twenty eight twenty six. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Proverbs 14, 12, and 16, 25. Those are going to be, people are going to be governed by their own hearts. 
It's a sinking ship. It's just a matter of when do you want to get off? When do you think it's time to, to jump ship? Let's go further. Now that Rick Warren and Tony Blair, who converted to Catholicism, did you know that? Tony Blair converted to Catholicism. They have announced that they will be working together to set up a one world religion as this as they uh, did on March 6, 2011 uh, in Southern California. How many Christian pastors will, res- will respond to this? Or will they at all? In other words, they announced that they were going to set up a one world religion on March 6, 2011, Rick Warren and Tony Blair, basically at this conference. How many pastors are responding to this, though? Are they going to at all? History shows they probably won't. I mean, are you going to be part of the problem or part of the solution? If you're part, if you say nothing, you're essentially saying you're you're saying, "Well, I'll just be part of the problem. I won't warn my congregation." Oh no, that might get me labeled. I might lose money. I might lose congregants. I might lose my five hundred one c three corporate status. You know. I mean, you know, that's between you and God. I, I, I don't know. That's some scary stuff. It is fearful. Is a fearful thing to fall on the hands of a living God. I mean, it, it's not something you want to mess around with. I would rather please God than man. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, as Joshua said. Choose whom this day who you will serve. I mean, things haven't even gotten bad yet. And they're already, you know, on the sinking ship of the Titanic here, willingly, seemingly willing, wanting to go down with the ship. And things haven't even gotten bad. Can you imagine how bad it's going to be when, when, when it, when all these other things that I've mentioned start to go down? There's probably going to, and it, it's going to separate the wheat from the chafe, the sheep from the goats, and a lot of people that you thought were Christians, you're going to see. They're nothing. They're going to do nothing but backstab you. They're going to do nothing but turn on you, because iniquity shall abound. The love of many shall wax cold. Jesus Christ said, "Think, think not that it came to bring peace in this world, but a sword. And a man's foes will be they of his own household: daughter against mother, father against son." Will be tested. Will be tried. And then, and then it's going to be very apparent at that point who is really a true Christian and who is not. All this pretending is going to be over. Because people are going to be desperate. And either you're going to be desperate for God and desperate for the Lord Jesus Christ. Either that desperation will motivate you toward the Lord Jesus Christ. Or that desperation is going to motivate you away from the Lord Jesus Christ and His Word. And you're going to seek your remedies in the satanic world system. I guarantee that's the way it's going to go down. Now, I'm not saying that because I think I'm Mr. Big and Bad and I've got it all figured out and and look at me and use me and think, no way. I'm preaching as much to myself as I am anyone else. The only way you'll be able to endure to the end, to, to get through what is coming, is through the Lord Jesus Christ and His Word. Putting on the full armor of God. Above all, taking up the shield of faith Above all, wherewith ye be, will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. The shield of faith. The bigger your faith is, the bigger that shield is. Faith. I'm telling you, the Bible comes back to it over and over and over again. Faith. 
That's so important. So important. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So, going further, uh, it is well known, what is known as fact is this, the emerging postmodern, purpose-driven, ecumenical, contemplative mindset in the evangelical or Protestant Christian churches has not gone away. And it's not going to. And it's not popular to speak against this growing apostasy. It is a lot easier to go downstream than upstream. True. The Bible foretells that we are in the last days. What do you as Christian pastors want to be? Dead salmon washed out to sea and then into hell? Or true fishers of men? Check the Bible. There will be a one world religion. Do you want, uh, do you want to be part of the problem? I submit to you, if, if you're a pastor of one of these denominational 501c3 corporate churches, you have to be part of the problem to a certain extent. You have to be. You're part of the ship that's going down. Do you want to, do you, or do you want to stand up for the truth? The latter is not easy and carries with it a high price. Yeah, but what's the, op, what's the alternative Going down the ship and going to hell and taking your congregation with you and having their blood be on your hands? I'm not saying that, you know, all these people that I've listed are all going to hell. But it's they're, they're not in a good position. <laughs> you know, they're, they're, they're not positioning themselves in a biblically correct position as far as I can see the Bible says. Uh, I give you three teachings I've done here on links on page it's page ten or eleven here. Uh, one of them is the, the disturbing five hundred one c three corporate church report. Another one is feds train the five hundred one c three clergy to quell dissent during martial law. Oh yeah, they're using they're going to be using the pastors to quell dissent and making sure that all their congregates come to church to get their mandatory uh, vaccinations before they're loaded on rail cars and shipped to the death camps. Listen to it. FEMA, FEMA and Homeland Security have already yoked up with a lot of these pastors of these corporate 501c3 churches. It's been done in secret. I mean, they're not going to go make announcements to their congregations, I don't believe. But there, I mean, there are so many of them that have already yoked up with the government to this extent. And they say, well, Romans tells us that we got to you got to do whatever the government tells you. So if Satan comes to you, or, or, or if the government comes to you and tells you to do something totally contradictory to the word of God, you're going to obey the government more than the word of God? Most of them will give you an unequivocal yes. That's talking about a lawful and just government that is not a tear to evil. Or not a tear to good works, I should say. That implies a righteous government that's doing the right thing. If you read those verses in Romans, and I've done a whole teaching on that, Romans um, uh, passage, where a lot of the pastors will use to justify, you know, where does it end? <laughs> where does it end with that? You know, the government, where, where, do they, where does the government finally cross a line where the, where the pastor finally says, well, that's, that's definitely evil, and, and, and I can't do that, you know. They've already yoked up with the government. They're being blinded. They don't see it anymore. I don't know if they ever saw it, how wicked this union could be. I mean, I go over week after week how wicked and corrupted our government is. And if you're part of that institution, you're yoked up with that. 
It has to affect you. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Teaching and preaching the word of God is a high calling. You should always be true to your calling and remain true to the word. And yet, many know that something is seriously wrong, but they say nothing. Saying nothing can be as detrimental as outright supporting the lie. I just got into that. It is time to wake up. We are in the last days and many sheep are being deceived. And the pastors have a huge role in that deception taking place. When the sheep have the wool pulled over their eyes, they cannot see. This is not acceptable. What about the wolves who are among the flock? Uh, good shepherds should never allow that to happen. True. Isaiah 56.10 says, now I, I put these verses in. His watchmen are blind. They are ignorant. They are all dumb dogs. They cannot bark. It kind of sounds like you know, what we're in reference to here. Sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. Yea, they are greedy dogs. So they're not only dumb, they're not only warning their congregation, they're not only ignorant, but they're also greedy. Does this start to ring a bell with the modern day you know, clergy that we see a lot of? Not all, but a lot. They're greedy dogs, which can never have enough. That's the thing about greed. It's never enough. You know? You ever show, watch any of these shows about these people that are like mega ultra rich or, or that were in the mafia or whatever, and they've got like millions and millions and millions of dollars, but it's never, ever, ever enough. It's a spirit of greed that overtakes them, and it will never be enough. Going further, it says, and they are shepherds. So they're shepherds. These are watchmen that are blind, because see, shepherds are supposed to be watchmen as well. Isn't a shepherd supposed to watch out for the wolves that are coming to devour the flock? Yeah. Well, but I'm a pastor. I don't need to get into that. So so your flock can be devoured. That's okay, evidently. That will be my question to you. So it goes on to say they're watchmen and they're shepherds, but they cannot understand. They all look to their own way. Everyone for his gain. From his quarter. What's the problem there? Well, self. S-E-L-F. They're worried about themselves. How it will affect them. They're not worried about the congregation. The Bible says in Galatians 4.16, Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Well, I think I've spoke a lot of truth in this ministry. I know I've made a lot of enemies as a result of it. Oh well, my life's not a popularity contest as a Christian. It doesn't mean I'm trying to make enemies, but you're going to. Going further... It says, come ye, say they, I will fetch wine, and we will fill ourselves with strong drink, and tomorrow shall be as this day, and much more abundant. Isn't that what they're preaching? Basically, I'm not saying they're in the pulpit saying, okay, let's drink a lot of hard liquor, but they're saying, tomorrow will be as this day, and much more abundant. Isn't that what the dominionists are preaching? Everything's just going to get better and better and better, so much so that we're going to usher in the rule and reign of the literal thousand-year rule and reign of Jesus Christ, the millennium, on earth, because things are just going to go so good. And we're going to skip the tribulation, that yucky thing that Revelation and Daniel describes. Um, That's what they're saying. Tomorrow shall be as this day and much more abundant. Isn't that what the prosperity preachers are telling their lukewarm congregations? Sure. Jeremiah 23.2 then says, Therefore thus saith the Lord God of Israel against the pastors that feed my people. Sounds like pretty pertinent to this lesson. 
the Lord God of Israel says against the pastors that feed my people, what does he say? Ye have scattered my flock and driven them away. I really believe that's in reference to the true remnant that has come out of these 501c3 corporate denominational churches in America. Lukewarm, in particular. You've scattered my flock and driven them away and have not visited them. Behold, I will visit upon you the evil of your doings, saith the Lord. Well, the Bible says judgment must begin at the house of the Lord. Man, when that starts happening, wow, I can't even imagine, in America particularly. And I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the out of all countries, whether I have driven them. So understand this. If you're a listener or, or you know people are true born-again Bible-believing Christians and, you know, you can see the fruit in their lives and, and you know, you know what I mean. And they feel like they've been, you know, no place to go, been driven forth from these things. Understand, the Bible says that they were driven away and they have been scattered as a, as a in large part because of the pastors not doing their jobs. He, God says he's going to gather the remnant of his flock out of the countries, whether they've been driven. He says, whether I have driven them. And I will bring them again to their folds. And they shall be fruitful and increase. So in other words, I think there's going to come a time here in the near future where you're going to see more of these remnant Christians coming back together. It might be in groups of five or ten. I don't know. But I think God can orchestrate that happening. And again, it's, I think that that hasn't happened yet. And that's why I really don't have a good answer for people that say, where do I go, what do I do? I have no idea. I really don't. There are some churches that you can find that are, that are unregistered and non-501c3, like Sam Adams has one in uh, Bellevue, Florida. And I, I know there's, uh, there's others out there, okay? It's just that I don't really have a directory of them. But see, the time's coming when God's going to gather the remnant out of the countries and he's driven them and he's going to bring them together to their folds and they will be fruitful and increase. Now when that is, I can't say. But there is biblical precedent for saying that. And then the, the Bible says, and I will set up shepherds over them which shall feed them and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, neither shall they be lacking, saith the Lord. So I'm going back to the main article. It says, while there still remain faithful Christian pastors who look to Jesus Christ as their good shepherd and still believe in the inerrant word of God, the fact that so many pastors have moved away from the basics of biblical Christianity toward a man-made apostate church will result in the flock drifting with them. Yeah, sure. I mean, if the blind lead the blind, they're both going to fall into a ditch. Um... And I may say this to any believer who now realizes his or, own, his or her own pastor uh, compromising the word of God and embracing apostate teachings. If you have done what you can do to warn and exhort your pastor to turn back to the truth, and if your warnings and exhortations are rejected, perhaps it is time to get out of that church. Paul addressed this when he said, A man that is an heretic after the first and second admonition reject Titus 3.10. Deception has crept in unnoticed to many and even at times been purposely covered up. Jude warned this was happening in his day. Uh, Jude 3 and 4. 
Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. This is what we try to do here. We're earnestly contending for the faith. For there are certain men crept in unawares, meaning people didn't know about it, who were of old ordained to this condemnation. They were of old. Is this like what the Bible talks about, where it says that they were vessels of wrath fitted for God's destruction? Yeah, it kind of sounds like that. Doesn't that... I don't... You know, that verse is crazy. I mean, I'm not saying it's crazy, but a lot of people say it. Wow, that's that's crazy sounding. They were prepared. They were fitted. Which means, really, were prepared aforetime. They were prepared... um, They were prepared for this. They were made for that purpose. Vessels of wrath fitted for God's destruction. The Bible says the wicked go astray from the womb. They speak lies as soon as they be born. I don't really understand that whole concept. And it's not for me to judge, you know, who falls into that category. I mean, I think that certain, obviously certain times you can see by someone's fruit if they fall into that category. But that's God's doing. God hath created all things, yea, even the wicked for the day of evil. I don't really understand that. And I'm not getting into the whole Calvinistic or Arminianistic doctrinal argument here. I'm just tell, I'm just quoting Bible verses. You know? So, for there were certain, and here's another confirmation, for there were certain men who crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. They were ordained to this condemnation. Ungodly men turning the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ into lasciviousness. Basically saying that turning the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ into a license to sin. Okay? We, we don't sin that grace may be abound. We're not supposed to use our liberty for an occasion of the flesh. Okay? And then denying the only Lord God, our Lord Jesus Christ. Ultimately, that's where it always ends up. They deny the Lord Jesus Christ. So going back to the article, it says, The same is true in the perilous days in which we live in, according to 2 Thessalonians 3, 1-5. through As of last fall, I am no longer affiliated with Calvary Chapel Movement, although I am still friends with an associate and with some of the pastors, ones who have sought to remain faithful to the Lord and His Word. Again, but how much longer would they be able to do that on a sinking ship, on a 501c3 sinking ship that's going down with the one world religion? Because ultimately, they're all going to yoke up. Ultimately, these pastors are going to have to make a choice. Deacons, bishops, whatever they call themselves. The congregation as well. They're ultimately all going to have to make a choice. All these denominations are going to go down that road. They're all, they're prepositioned there because of their corporate status. They're already, they're already prepositioned. Most of them are preaching out of some New Age Bible, and they've got all kind of ungodly stuff going on in the church. It's just a matter of time. Uh, this is something I don't think he has a concept of, this Roger Oakland. He doesn't mention it. He's been part of that system for a long time. He doesn't, And that's why I have to interject it in here. Because I see that as a major, major issue. I've been part of that whole corporate church in charismatic, in... Lutheran in Catholic at one point when I was in high school, went to a Catholic high school, uh, in Independent Fundamental Baptist. I've been part of that. So I think I'm qualified to, to say what I'm saying. 
It's not like I've never been there. Okay, so, as do many leaders in the body of Christ, Calvary Chapel pastors who have veered need to get right, and they need to do it quickly. Yeah, I believe the only way they're going to get right is if they get out. The, the, the lump's been leavened, and it's too far gone. According to the word, our our, uh, our redemption draweth nigh. If you are a pastor who has succumbed to the present day spiritual apostasy, get back to the word of God and preach it and teach it. If your congregation shrinks, so what? Better to have a few who are solid and could go out and be fruitful in the Lord than be in a megachurch full of participants of a social gospel that is being prepared for the coming one world religion. Uh, while a large-scale move toward apostasy has been taking place for some time, the postmodern emerging purpose-driven ideas are widely accepted. There's, there still may be time if pastors will repent and return to the purity of the gospel and God's word. Many pastors reading this open letter who belong to an organization or denomination may be fearful about leaving the security of such a covering. <laughs> you don't want that covering. You don't want no 501c3 covering. It's not a covering. It's not a godly covering. Perhaps you have, and hopefully I've made that point abundantly clear. Then it goes on to say, perhaps you have never been out from underneath the umbrella. But at some point you're going to have to ask yourself, am I really, quote, counting all things but loss in order to gain Christ, according to Philippians 3.8? Or am I taking up my cross and following him no matter the cost, Matthew 16.24? Have I heard stories now of pastors, both in Calvary Chapel Movement and other Groups and denominations who finally did make that decision to separate themselves from an apostate association. Now, now I really believe what he's saying is really scripturally correct there because he's he's saying come out from among them. He's not giving them the five hundred one c three issue issue per se, but he's saying come out from among them. I wish he just could have emphasized the other, and also the false Bible version issues and a lot of that. Uh, if you are one of those one of those, continue on with the ministry God has given you and follow Jesus Christ alone. I'm thinking meaning if you're one of those who have come out and separated themselves. You can never go wrong by being obedient to Jesus and his word. The Lord Jesus Christ is coming soon. May we be found ready and waiting. Sincerely in Christ, Roger Oakland. P.S. Um, oh, and he gives a Bible, a couple of Bible verses. Thy watchmen shall lift up the voice. With the voice together shall they sing. For they shall see eye to eye when the Lord shall bring again Zion. Depart ye, depart ye, go ye out from thence. Touch no unclean thing, go ye out of the midst of her, and be ye clean that bear the vessels of the Lord. Um, Isaiah 52, 8 and 11. And then the last verse, But he answered him and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. Let them alone, they be blind leaders of the blind, and the blind, and if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. And unfortunately, that is more the norm now than the exception. Much more the norm than the exception. And that's in Matthew 15, 13 and 14. So I'm going to go ahead and end there. Um, That teaching, that part took longer than I thought. And um, we'll go ahead and close this out today in a word of prayer. I do want to thank, once again, the people that have been praying for this ministry, uh, for Taylor and myself, for... um, uh, your prayers for uh, the people that have um, donated to the ministry, and, and I, I just if, if I can't get back to you and write you personally, uh, particularly if you sent one in, you know I apologize. Um, uh, I just pray the Lord Jesus Christ richly bless all of you. Uh, we're going to be going on a little three day trip to uh, pray over some 
very wicked occultic uh, sites. And um, I would just ask that you pray for us. We're going to be doing this uh, tomorrow, Monday through Wednesday, this week. And that's why I want to get this teaching up now. This will be actually Monday morning. By the time I get this up, it's already 12.52 Eastern Standard Time uh, on Monday, actually. Now we're into Monday. So, uh, anyway, I just wanted to mention that. And thank you once again. I'll go ahead and close this out in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day and this time you've given us. For giving us the ability to come again together, Lord God. I pray that um, your truth would go forth in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I do pray, God, that you'd forgive us for any and all sins we've committed in any way, shape, or form as we forgive those who have sinned against us, that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart would be acceptable and pleasing in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer, um, that you would cleanse us from presumptuous sins and secret faults, that they would not have dominion over us. Um, I pray, God, that your angels will go before us, before the body of Christ, to prepare the way that you bless the, those, Lord God, the widows and the orphans and the babies and the unborn babies and the children and the Christians in this world, Lord God, that are that are lacking, Lord, that don't have uh, maybe the uh, food or water or shelter, Lord, or their basic necessities. I just pray to God that you bless them and provide for all their needs, Lord, that you use them mightily in the days and times to come, that you bless my listeners, Lord God, and wherever um, your word or your truth is being preached worldwide, all the ministries that are doing this, the missionaries out there, Lord God, that are and the, and the people out there that are evangelizing and winning people to the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray you bless them richly and mightily, Lord God, and that you use them for your glory, Lord, and for the sake of the souls that need to be saved, Lord. We praise you, we thank you, we ask all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray, amen.